couple things. Uh, Greg certainly is my su immediate successor as chair of Energy and Commerce. Followed the same path. First of all, terrific staff. Uh, we can't do this job without them. So look at Larissa and Mark and the committee staff and uh, all the work that they are able to do on so many different topics. But we also reached out to the other side on you name the topic uh, to get a lot of things done. Uh, literally hundreds of bills in a divided government that is pretty tough to do without the cooperation on the other side. And I would say, I know this is being taped, someone's gonna watch it later, maybe. It's a different place today, uh, it really is. Uh, we are both trying to be as bipartisan as we can. Uh, that's why we came here, to get things done. And it's a frustrating place right now, uh, that is for sure. One of the highlights, of course, during my tenure as chairman was the enactment of 21st Century Cures, which Mitch McConnell labeled as the most important piece of legislation that was enacted in that, that two-year period. Uh, we passed it out of committee 51 to nothing. I can tell you the three people that weren't there, uh, but it was just a mistake on their part. But, you know, we passed it on the House floor 392 to 26. And I can tell you, again, the 26 that did vote no, <laughs> Mr. Mulvaney was one of them. <laughs> But in any case, and it passed a big time in the Senate, and I know who the eight senators were that were against it, of which Bernie and Elizabeth were two of the eight uh, when it got done. But as you look back now at what happened, it really is incredible. 60 Minutes had a piece last spring about finding the cure for sickle cell, something that really impacts 100,000 African-Americans, and literally cures the disease. Uh, because of our position, uh, we get to see a lot of people that come in and out. We're very glad for our schedulers, and back then it was Bits Thomas on, on my team, and she was uh, heralded, uh, I think she was, that's your number one award a number of years ago. Ingrid, of course, now has her place. But I met with a, a pharmaceutical company not too long ago. I'm gonna meet with them again, in fact, in, in two weeks. And they have a drug that is just remarkable as it relates to pancreatic cancer. That's the hardest one. I mean, I know, I know someone who went to a Michigan football game and she had a cough. A week later, she was dead because it was pancreatic cancer and they just discovered it too late. This, this uh, new drug in trials uh, for the first 36 people, 20, stage four, 22 people uh, were cancer-free uh, at the end. It should be like three or four. And now there are more than that, and of course, that's one of the things that we did. If you have a breakthrough drug, we can lower that trial size from 500 to 160. Uh, we want to do better than that. Uh, I spoke to the Alzheimer's uh, group. They had their big march uh, last month. It was incredible. I, I participated in the march. I think I had to park about 10 blocks away from the mall because there were so on a Saturday. And there was just a new drug approved that is going to uh, lessen Alzheimer's by probably 40%. CF, cystic fibrosis. So, you know, as we did 21st Century Cures, we did a lot of roundtables all over the country. Visited universities, visited, I mean, you, you name the group, yeah. we, were, we were there. And 
we had a young boy, uh, high school student from here, I want to say went to Sibley, but I'm not, maybe Landon, and he came in and he talked about having CF and uh, what he had to endure to get up and ready for class, knowing that he was going to be losing 15% of his lung capacity every year. I can remember 20 years ago, most CF folks didn't live to their mid-20s. And now you're going to be probably into your 40s, and this new drug that just got approved literally in the last couple weeks, it lowers that by 90%. So you still have the 10% of the folks that aren't going to be, it's not going to work, and we need to still find a cure, but it's incredible what is really happening. So where are we today? Well, of course, my partner, my direct partner, was Diana DeGette, and uh, she was a great partner. She came to my district, I went to hers. We, you know, everyone wanted to roll out the wonderful things that they're doing and what's in the pipeline in terms of what we can get done. And we're starting that process again now. In fact, we have a website, it's called cures2 at mail.house.gov, and no, it's not M-A-L-E, it's M-A-I-L. Cures2 at and we're soliciting ideas. Uh, we sat down with Francis Collins uh, last week. He has some good ideas for us. We're sitting down with the former CMS director and FDA and others to say, what did we miss? What have we learned since this bill was signed by President Obama in December of, of 16? What can we do, particularly taking advantage of the digital side of things? What can we do for caregivers and education? Uh, maybe diet, I mean, all these different things. And we're hoping, we've got a little behind things with other things going on in this town that sort of take the air out of the balloon. Uh, but we're hoping that by early next year, maybe the end of January, early February, we'll have a framework that we can then begin to move forward. Obviously work with the leadership on both sides. And I have to say that, you know, it was, it was good seeing uh, John Boehner last night and Paul Ryan, they were both uh, at the picture hanging for, for Boehner. Uh, Pelosi was terrific, you know, Mitch McConnell, my partner, Lamar Alexander, I mean, really good people. They, they let us have the, the full reign in terms of what we wanted to do. We're hoping to have that uh, same thing again, and particularly in this Congress where really nothing seems to be getting done, I'm hoping that we can have at least a, a sunrise here and, and bring people together on something that, you know, we just can't wait for. Now, let's face it, we're the only country in the world that can do this, which is one of the reasons why we need to make sure that H.R. 3 doesn't move forward, because even the GAO said that if, you, if this bill goes through, we'll probably lose 8 to 15 drugs a year that may not ever happen. Um, that's not acceptable for the disease groups that we know now, we want to keep that money for innovation. We want, we really want to find these. And when we do, what is it that we can do to take the barriers down as fast as we can? And that will be our goal. So uh, if you've got some ideas, some real life experience, tell us. Tell us. Uh, reach out to Ingrid on my staff. I'll try to see if I can, but certainly Mark's my partner on this. And the team that we have uh, all over the place so wanting to do the right thing. And with that, let me yield uh, to my, my best friend, one that I'm going to miss in terms of, literally, we're, our offices are almost, I mean, we're one door apart, 
We both have dogs. We have nine to Fido offices. I have. I brought in dog treats just so that their dog would be friendly to me. He recognizes me in the hallway when he escapes. Uh, but my good friend, <laughs> Greg Walden, uh, the other piece of the, of the puzzle in terms of getting things done in the Energy and Commerce Committee. Well, thank you, Greg. So let, let, he's talked to you a lot about cures and going forward. Um, this revolution in medicine is remarkable. We know we play a small part of it with what we do to help the basic research through NIH and all. Um, it is an incredibly important part, but it is a small part compared to what the companies then go and do with your great innovators. I think that the thing going forward I focus on is as a country and as public policymakers, the real issue we haven't figured out is how to pay for it. And, and the Democrats have come forward with this HR3, which just says, you know, crank down, um, put European-style pricing in place. And, uh, and, and as I was saying at my table, I can actually get you beyond $345 billion in savings. Their bill does that, allegedly. I can probably get you to 600 You just will have a very tiny formulary and no innovation, right? You won't have access to drugs, and, and they'll be, you'll be, I mean, this is not what America's about. And so what we have to find, especially as we get into precision medicine, individualized treatments, I don't think we as a country have figured out how to pay for that yet. And I, I, I would hope going forward, people like Fred and others will, will also focus on that in the committee in a thoughtful way, not in a political attack way, which is kind of what's happening with this bill. We were making progress on some reforms of Medicare Part D and some other things, and then it just got cut off. And Wendell brought Pelosi's bill forward, and here we are with HR3. And it is a powder cake, politically, I'll just tell you. You know the numbers and the data. And yet, um, these innovations are occurring in America. It's just like, a, like, I guess our friend from Google left, but it's just like Google and Facebook. They came about here because we have light touch regulation. They didn't have to go get a permit or permission from a government agency to create Facebook or a search engine or the latest app. And that's what really is America's strength in my, in my perspective is, yes, there's room for regulation, don't get me wrong, but where we can keep it light touch and minimal, stop bad behaviors where they occur, but not be so intrusive that you shut down um, those great minds and entrepreneurs and the next group of startups in a garage somewhere. Because it will occur in medicine as medicine moves into the digital age. For us, Fred referenced that. I, I remember Dr. Brian Drucker from OHSU developed Gleevec, a, a stomach cancer drug. And, and Fred had him, or I invited him to some of these roundtables here in Washington, and he talked about you know, the great inventions of the, the stethoscope and the microscope, and the next one is the datascope. And what we can now do, thanks to cloud computing capabilities and, and the data reserves that are out there, reservoirs that are out there, is astonishing to try and bust through these uh, basically mathematical decisions. They're, they're now using the supercomputing capability of our, of our national labs to go back through some failed tests to see if in certain populations, now that we've decoded the genome and all, did that medicine actually work? In other words, it only worked in 10 of 100, but that's because the genetic, what we now know further about precision medicine may mean actually that, that drug that failed the test in the past with supercomputing capability and all may actually be a precision medicine that works for those 10 people. 
right? So that gets back to my point. How do you pay for that? How do you pay for a drug that only affects you? And as a country, set politics aside, we, we've got we to get our hands around that so that we can lead the world in this development and figure out how, how we're going to, to pay for it. Now, as chairman, I, I helped lead the effort with many of you to reauthorize all the UFAs. Um, boy, go sell that at home. Hey, we did UFA this week. Um, but, but it was the user fee agreements for medical devices and drugs, generics. And as a result, I think we've got in place a much better system to get uh, these drugs through their approval processes. And certainly, with over a 1,000 generics approved last year, setting a record at FDA, that part is working. It's a Wall Street Journal story out, I think, yesterday and today about the, some of those generics not getting fully out into market, and that's something we have to pay attention to. Some of it is, uh, well, who knows what all's behind it. I won't get into all that, but it's something we're going to have to pay attention to. It's one thing to develop a, a generic. It's another if it never gets to market, and that will be a problem. And, and some of the bad behavior we're trying to address in, in other legislation. Then, then finally, I'd say, and then we can get into to Q&A, we also did a lot of work in the last Congress addressing uh, the biggest, one of the biggest drug epidemics in America, and that's the opi opioid epidemic, with thousands of people dying. Uh, we finally sort of plateaued uh, in terms of the death rates. Part of that's because Narcan is out there, so, so our first responders and others are able to reverse the, the overdose. Um, and we're getting treatment money into our communities. Um, we're working on new research there to have non-addictive pain medications and treatments and modalities. Uh, there's a lot more work to be done there. But I, I would argue that H.R. 6, the Support Act, uh, which, which I led on last Congress, was, was one of the biggest uh, bipartisan attempts to deal with a, a, a drug epidemic in, in our nation's history. We know we have more work to do there. The thing I like about how Fred leads is after you pass a law, we need to go back and take a look, as he said, what's working, what's not, what do we get right, what do we get wrong, um, so we can get the next product out and, and do even better. So with that, let me stop. Thank you again, and, and Jim, to rip on. Uh, what a terrific leader of this organization, Jim Kaiser. It was amazing. Everything runs precisely, and I've gone over my three to five minutes, so I yield.